ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Drop. Today, we have Chad Galster, ACE, joining us from Yellowstone. He has touched every season and is a longtime partner of Taylor Sheridan. You know his work, not just on Yellowstone, but also 1883 and those who wish me dead. So I'd kind of like to start there because this long-term partnership with Taylor, you really get to be in the early stages and experience this whole crafting of the characters. Sure. Um, you know, you mentioned that season five is kicking off and you're going to dive into those dailies, but yeah. how, how much conversation planning orchestrating with editorial uh, is Taylor and team? How, how many of those conversations are you guys having well before a single frame is shot? How do you start? Well, quite a few. We're, we're a pretty well-oiled machine at this point. Uh, we had like, uh, it's funny. It's uh, season five, like you said, began production today. And so we had a post uh, Zoom today and we just, just to sort of see each other's faces after a little bit of a break, we've been emailing. But um, one of the things I said to the group is like, it's great that I know every face on the Zoom. Like we've all been doing this for a while together. So there's a real trust uh, uh, amongst the post team. Um, me, one of our other editors, Brooke Rupert, before she became an editor, a good editor in her own right, she was my my lead assistant for three years. And so uh, we keep it in the family and and we... We find people that we trust and we find people who, who want to work hard and are proud of what they're doing and um, we stick together. So, so yeah, we do have those conversations, but in previous seasons, it happened a lot earlier and a lot more frequently. Now, just, I know that they've run the camera tests. Like I know that all those things are happening. I know that my assistant editor is getting my system up and running. He has my user settings in. It's just, uh, it's a really cool thing when a show stays together for a while and you get those same people and you just get to trust them and uh, I love working with everyone that, that we have on our post team. It's a really cool group of really smart, hardworking people. So tell me what dailies look like on this show, because it's not just, I mean, look, it's about cowboys and you have these mm -hmm. beautiful vistas, but yeah. then so much of the drama still happens between two people or in, you know, a mobile home setting or mm -hmm. in a confined office and, how much coverage is coming in on both the fight scenes, like the opening of season one was bananas. Mm -hmm. and, but in the finale there, you have this very intimate moment between father and son. It's still in mm -hmm. a wide open vista, mm -hmm. but how much are you working through to get it's, these moments? It, it depends. So for that, for that opening episode of last season, uh, there was a lot. I mean, that was the act one of, of, episode 401 first episode of season four was probably one of my favorite things i've ever done it was just it was relentless from start to finish um it starts with like you know casey tossing a grenade and and fending off people that the house does the ranch is under attack um there's a shootout on the open road a van gets crashed into i mean it was one thing after the other it was almost comical but like just such an intense like it's we get to just turn the screwdriver and twist the knife the entire time for about 14 minutes and by the time the main title comes up, you know, the main title sequence with the music and everything at the end of that act, uh, you're just exhausted. And uh, it's like, welcome to season four, everybody. This is what we're going to do. So there was heavy coverage for all that stuff. I mean, those shootouts are complicated and that takes, you know, a full day and change to, to do. Um, if, if there's dialogue scene inside, some of the show is, is shot on stages. It's entirely shot in Montana, but we do have stages for like our, our mainstay sets, right? 
Um, and you may get, you know, there's always three cameras. You may get, you know, three, four, five setups, sometimes 10. Um, but sometimes we're just, we're in and out. Um, you know, in addition to the post team being consistent, you know, our directors are people like Stephen K has been directing the show since at least season two. I can't remember if he worked on season one or not. Uh, Christina Voros is a, was a DP. So when she, she's a DP for Stephen K and then she directs her own blocks. So she's been directing for years. Uh, ben Richardson is one of Taylor's cinematographers who directs Yellowstone and is directed 1883. Um, Christina did as well. So all that to say that there are these people that have an understanding of, of how to tell Taylor's stories. And so there's an efficiency on set as well, like when we're shooting. And it's really valuable because there's never enough time on set, especially, as you say, when this show has some you know, intimate sets and then we'll go out and we'll shoot you know the, the wide expanses of montana and so we have to you know really be efficient about where to devote resources and so those directors and that whole production team it's hundreds of people do an excellent job of making sure that we have time for the really big stuff uh, and that we get through the small stuff efficiently so um it's it's rare that i feel like i'm missing anything when putting the show together uh, and it's a real testament to what those people do it's just familiarity the cast as well the cast has knows these characters they know them intimately uh, and so everyone just feels like it really felt with season four that the show was just like firing on all cylinders you know what I mean everyone was just knew their job and was doing it well and uh, it was a real thrill to put that together every season of Yellowstone that we have done becomes my favorite season that we have done. And that is certainly true of season four, for sure. Well, if I can ask a two-part nerd question. Do it. Uh, one, have you guys been working remotely, like season four, uh, I'm assuming, pandemically speaking, was it season three and four or just season four? Season three and four were done remotely. Uh, I work here. This is my home studio. I live in Los Angeles. So this is where I spend the majority of my time. And then uh, I travel frequently to Taylor to do the, the polishing of the episodes. You know, there is, um, there is an in-person aspect of making a show that is just irreplaceable. And there's just something about being in a room with a person. You read their, their inflection of their voice, their body language. You, you, your conversations are different. There's no, there's no delay. You know, there's no lag. Um, and it's just necessary and vital. And I've been doing that with him for years. And we... We, there was a time when we had to stop for COVID and when nobody was flying. But as soon as we were able to travel, I was traveling. And I traveled quite frequently um, every week and a half to two weeks to, to go out and, and sit with him and just do the work that we have to do to finish the episode. So, yes, long story short, myself, the other editors on Yellowstone, the other editors on 1883, Mayor of Kingstown, we all worked remotely. Um, but then we uh, would you know, travel to, to Taylor and, and do you know, the finalize the episodes. And so, um, you know, that, that was a big part of season four and it's, and it'll continue that way in season five. And, um, it's, it's, it works well, I think we found a real rhythm to it. Well, so the second part of that super nerdy question is mm -hmm. it clearly it's all cinematic. Like he, he's Taylor is film and television. How are you guys doing those kind of watch downs or, like, what kind of monitoring do you have at home? What are you watching them on when you're together? Because these are gorgeous landscapes. And especially if you're telling me so much of this yeah. is practical, like, yeah. what are you guys watching it back on? A lot of it is practical. Um, 
you know, right behind me is just is my editing setup in my house. I have an eight foot projector that I will sometimes put episodes on just to watch them. Like when I've got a cut, I'll take it in there and just throw it up and watch it that way, which is pretty cool. Um, we do movie nights in there for my four year old as well. Um, she does not get to watch Yellowstone. That's uh, important <laughs> distinction. Um, <clears throat> not for a long, long time. And then at, at Taylor has, you know, we have a pretty nice setup out there too. We have a nice editing facility um, uh, at his ranch and that's where I work when I'm out there. And, um, and then, you know, we have all the normal bells and whistles for our post team, like as it makes its way through online finishing VFX, you know, they're all watching the shots at, on 4k monitors and, and, um, everybody has their eyes peeled for all the ordinary stuff that you have to watch out for, you know, in the environments and all that. But yeah, these are, they're, they're big shots. We know these environments though, like we know, um, where everything's supposed to be. If there are any little things we have to add or remove digitally, we, we tend to, you know, know how to key in on those things. And, Again, it's it's where it's where the, the the team that we have is just so valuable. Um, we make these shows sometimes on an aggressive schedule. That was certainly true of 1883 and in, in Yellowstone. It, it can be true of Yellowstone as well. And so, um, when you have people that all know that are all looking for the same thing, um, it it really helps you move through that process and make sure that we're doing justice to these beautiful wide shots, which are, you know. I've said this before, but it's the wide shots are are, are really really important, not just because they're pretty. But whenever we go to them, I just think like, it's like a reminder, like this is what they're fighting for. You know, like every time we see them, it's just, uh, and you don't have to think about that as an audience in the moment. You don't have to be aware of it at all, but somehow I think you, you feel that. I, I, I believe that, that the audience feels that, that this is what's at stake, you know? And so they're important. They're beautiful to look at. They make you feel good as an audience member when you see them, but also they're just, they're, they're so vital to like, remember, this is what they're fighting for. This is what everybody wants. And this is what, um, the knives are being drawn over. So it's an important, it's a really important element to our story. Honestly, starting at, throughout the whole series, it's always gone back to me to season one, episode one, where he, Kevin Costner tells Wes Bentley that you can't think like a lawyer. I need you to think like the landowner mm-hmm. because it's just so wildly different. And you hit the nail on the head. A lot of these wide shots remind you of the fact that like it for me it's kind of funny because whenever people talk about buying a house and they talk about property taxes they think yeah. to myself like you don't own the land like yeah really literally would still have to go out to like montana to go buy actual land mm-hmm. and this captures it so well and stay with me on a mini tangent here mm-hmm. but go for it. Taylor, all of his shows, even like as an actor, like Sons of Anarchy, I mean, season four, especially, I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm back with Jax Teller and the gang. <laughs> like, it just, it's a lot of deconstructed archetypes and these layered overlapping characters that are telling very deeply rooted generational beliefs mm-hmm. in the way that all of you are tearing them apart, literally from costume design, production design. And there in editorial, the details that you guys are pulling out and the choices that you're making, even on who to like reaction shots as opposed yeah. to somebody who's actually talking have been so wonderfully significant that it's been a joy to go through these four seasons watching, you know, even, um, you know, with the kid on the bench in that moment and then her walking out of the barn after he says like, good morning, mommy, or mm-hmm. she's like, can't call me mama. Yep. That yep. moment she stops. The first reaction, then she stops mm-hmm. was so 
it was just deafening to actually have that come out and it felt generational, not just between mm-hmm. this kid. Mm-hmm. A lot of things have played there, right? And it's all the stuff that we've been talking about. Taylor is, um, my opinion, I think it's shared by a lot of folks. He's an uncommonly brilliant writer. So we start with like, the table is set in the best possible way because um, uh, he understands these characters so deeply. He understands human interaction. He understands parenthood love, loss, grief, all of these things deeply. Separately, then you have, you know, Kelly Riley, who understands Beth so completely. And the, there's a there's a wonderful thing about television that, that you're kind of describing as well, which is that in a two hour movie, that that payoff wouldn't happen the same way, right? But in a, in a television show, you get to invest the time that, that you remember back to when she meets Carter on the bench. And then he says, hey, Ma, and you almost for a second go like, yeah, that's right. That's who she is. And then she stops and says, you can't call me that. And it's it's heartbreaking in the moment. You feel sad for both of the characters. But you also, I mean, you know, for me, I understand that she's correct about that as well. There, It's so complicated. And, it, and it's so the, the, the writing is what gives you the basis for that, what becomes a little bit of a conflict, right? And then the committed actors who understand their characters very deeply. And so, so look, yes, uh, we, we, it's a lot of work to put the show together. It's a lot of work to put any show together. Um, we have the advantage uh, and are spoiled rotten by the people on, on the front side of the, on that side of the camera who give us incredible material to work with. And, and, you know, Taylor uh, has, he, he writes from an honest place. I mean, the word that we, that buzzes around Yellowstone, 1883, all of his shows most frequently is authenticity. It's really important to him that these stories are told accurately. All the horse stuff, we spent a lot of time with the mechanics of, of, of horse riding. I've learned a lot about it in the last five years. And so uh, I know a lot more than I used to. So now I can kind of get it, let's say 80 to 90% right in the scene, you know, as opposed to you know, it's just 50-50 before. Um, but all those things, all those details are not accidental. Um, you know, they, even like you said, who we cut to and um, these characters all have a different involvement in what's happening in front of them. They have a different connection to the ranch, to the other people there, and they sometimes shift. And so um, it's a really wonderful, rich story with all these different relationships. You have the re- relationships that people have with each other and then the relationships that everyone has to the land. And the land is the thing. What kind of coverage are you getting when all the cowboys are together drinking? Like, yeah. I never I never leave one of those scenes feeling like I didn't get to know them better as a whole. But then mm-hmm. a lot of individual personalities come out just from the takes that you're picking. Yep. What are those like cutting together? Because you don't get as much time with them as a group as you might want. But like, right. I, I always leave feeling a better understanding of why they're a unit. Yeah. All that is, is, um, is, is important. It's vital. I'm glad you feel that way because that is the intent of those scenes. We cover them pretty heavily. Um, you know, a lot of times they're sitting around a card table. So we'll have, you know, again, always three, sometimes four cameras uh, in the bunkhouse, um, usually we're, we're picking off singles of, of guys doing specific things or, you know, delivering, you know, lines of dialogue. We have everybody clean doing that. And then we have cameras that'll just float and we'll travel We'll start on some, say Jimmy's face down to the card table. You know, he throws down a card. We'll see what Walker thinks about it. And, um, there's, it finds itself. Usually, um, we might shoot, we might shoot, you know, eight, 10 setups, uh, of three cameras each. Right. So there's, there's a lot of material there. And then, 
you know, like, like most scenes, you start with a couple wide and a couple masters where all three cameras are pretty far back. And then the, the, the rhythm of the scene starts to find itself. And then they, they find little things to riff on, or um, they find the best way to, to play a beat that's in the script. And, and then in the coverage, we make sure that we find those elements. And then you're just, um, you know, my first cut of those, those scenes is often really, really long. Uh, I'll, I'll take selects of like every line delivery sometimes from the different camera setups and just put them in a row and just then start to watch the scene and feel like, okay, now I want to see Jimmy. Now I want to see Walker. Um, I mean, it's the way that you can put together a lot of scenes. And, um, but with those, it, there's an improv feel to them. And it actually really is not a lot of improv. It's, it's, it's scripted that way, but it has mm -hmm. a real improv feel. Um, so, so, two things that work there. One, the amount of coverage, you, you have options for just about everything. And then again, these performers, these guys who know each other, who like each other in the real world, you know, they're like, they're friends. Like they, they hang out on set. Like there's, there's a really cool camaraderie amongst those guys. Um, that, that is really the reason why they feel uh, authentic. And the reason why you feel like you're learning something character wise about, about those guys, even when they're playing cards or making stew or doing whatever they're doing, uh, you, you're finding little bits of their personality. And um, that's all, again, it's deliberate. It's written in and then it's just shot and acted phenomenally well. And it's actually a little heartbreakingly perfect bridge into a question I, I didn't want to ask, but this is the perfect segue. Oh, I, mean, no. to be clear, I did <laughs> want to ask this question okay. and maybe it's better that it's coming sooner rather than later, but- um, Let's do it. The, the West Bentley, Will Patton- scene uh, like yeah. it happens yeah. from behind and so my immediate thought was like choices and coverage because mm -hmm. I have to imagine that there was one on West one on Will one in the front one in the back mm -hmm. and you guys went the one in the back and it just that hurt and I mm -hmm. I'm, I mean I'm guessing that's why you chose it but like mm -hmm. that was such a well orchestrated I did not see it coming could not have, I mean, I wasn't ready. I was not yeah. ready. Yeah. Um, it was meant to be shocking and, and upsetting. Um, there you're, you're correct. That scene was covered extensively. I had it every which way and, um, the choice. And this was, I actually, when I first put that scene together, you saw the gun come up from behind Wes's back and Taylor didn't want to see it. And uh, he was right to make this change. I think it's, it was actually fantastic to where, um, we cut behind him and then Wes is already holding the gun, but we've been so tight that you didn't realize that he was making the motion to hold the, the gun up to, to his father's head. Um, there's a look that Will Patton gives him where I believe for myself, and I actually don't even know how Taylor feels about this, but my, my feeling about it is that Will, uh, his character knows that, that uh, Wes is going to pull the trigger. You know, they, they say what the conversation is sort of like a farewell. You know, like, what are you going to do now? And I'm going to roam around a bit or whatever. And he says, don't, you know, he says something to the effect of don't let them diminish who you are. Don't let them take advantage of you, son. Um, I'm paraphrasing and it's been a while since, uh, since we put that together, but that felt like um, this is the last thing I can teach you. And now it's time to say goodbye. So it just felt, I felt like he knew. So the, there's a real tragedy in there. Uh, and there's a surprise, certainly visually when you pull back and you understand that, that Wes is holding a gun to his head, but um it doesn't feel to me as much of like a betrayal of honor. It just felt like this was the natural, this is the way it had to go. And if you're not ready for it as an audience member, I think that's actually kind of good. Uh, we, you, you, know, you, you want to be a step ahead of your audience. A hundred percent, but also 
I mean, I think one of the most impactful parts of that, like you're saying, is that he maybe did anticipate it because mm-hmm. and seeing him looking away. And it just, it was such a huge, yeah, yeah. job well done. I have to imagine, uh, well, you tell me, are like muzzle flashes and whatnot all done in VFX? Or do you have those any mm-hmm. practical and kind of leading into kind of VFX? Because, yeah, I want to talk yeah. about the caps too. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, um, a lot of muzzle flashes, we have a mixture of both. Uh, you know, muzzle flashes are weird. Sometimes the, just the way the frame rates work, like sometimes you catch them, sometimes you don't. I mean, they are firing blanks. And so there is a bit of a flash. Um, and so we, but we do augment when we have to, uh, a lot of times with the like automatic weapons, uh, they don't, you know, none of them are, are captured. So we'll add those in. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mixture, but a lot of the, the bullet hits are done practically. We're not, we're firing, we're not firing projectiles obviously, but we're like having little squibs that are, that are popping up. Like when some of those, like in 401, when, when that shootout with the cars happened and, you know, there's all that stuff happening in the glass, um, uh, yeah. most of those were real. And then some of those we, you know, if we needed a few more, we can add a few more. So, uh, there is a mixture, but, um, Yellowstone uses fewer visual effects than you might think. I mean, it is a lot of it is done practically in camera. We have some phenomenal props people. We have, again, folks that have been with us from the beginning. We've all learned a lot together. Uh, and, uh, so, so a lot of that stuff is, is practical, which is great. And, and, and then we just, we, we sweeten it with visual effects. Um, but it's really, as, as Yellowstone has gone on over the years, I would, I would say we probably use fewer and fewer VFX, uh, each season that we did the year before. And I, I don't have a way, I don't like quantitatively, I don't like, I'm not sure what the numbers are, but it just, that's the feeling I have of it. And I think I'm right. So. so with a team that has gotten the chance to stick together this long, are there, are there kind of surprises in the edit room? Have there been situations where something started one way on page and it just kind of the edit room became oh, yeah. the writer's room all the time. I, I, every, I, so I, I've gotten to know Taylor pretty well at this point and, and we've worked, been working together for a number of years. And so I, I think I generally know how he's going to react to stuff I put together, but every once in a while he'll surprise me. He'll hate something that I think he's going to love or he'll love something that I'm not quite sure about. Um, I think one of the reasons why we've been so successful in our partnership is that we generally see things the same way. Um, he makes the kind of movies and television that I love. And, and, and um, I think we have uh, understand each other as artists and it's really my job to understand him uh, and what he wants to see. And so we are, we are again, efficient and largely successful at that, but every once in a while something becomes like, you know, uh, wildly different than what I expected. Or there's an example like in, um, in episodes nine and 10 of season four, the vision quest with Casey, um, he just gave me all that material and in sort of said, have fun. And so um, another, another benefit to a longstanding relationship is I feel comfortable taking risks editorially and do stuff that he might hate. And it, it's, it's just, uh, I, I will throw them out there. What do you think of this? And so that vision quest material nine and, and then especially 10 um, was really uh, fulfilling and rewarding to put together because it was just a lot of experimentation that I did quietly by myself and would take things to him. And he liked most of it. We might change a few things here and there, but, um, you know, those flashbacks that Casey has to when he was, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the seals and, and all that stuff was just, was very, it's, it's very freeing to work with someone who just will give you all this material says, this is, there's some weird stuff here. 
try something, try anything, try everything, whatever you want to do. So um, that's the most fun when you when you have those opportunities and those opportunities are are frequent uh on yellowstone and with taylor he's he's a guy who who never wants us to be satisfied with what we've done before you know and always looking for ways to make the show feel fresh and interesting and that's exactly how i feel it should be as well i mean it keeps us all keeps us all on our toes so um so yeah the the vision quest stuff wasn't really you know we didn't you know we there were there was it was scripted there were things in there but then they just shot a bunch of other material and i started putting it together in ways that were weird and started adding um i do a lot of work in the temp sound design every editor is different about this i tend to do a ton of it uh and also music as well i, I i'm very active in like the music and, and all that and, and even like using sound effects as score i do that all the time and i do that with the vision quest sequence so um our sound team takes it from there and enriches it of course but like i work very closely with them and, and our offline edits are um are are very rich with sound so all that experimentation um uh pays off like it's 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 fun we we it's like we find new ideas and then take it to him and he'll always have something to try and uh, maybe that'll work. Maybe it won't. Maybe on the path to that not working, we find something that does work. Um, there's a really good back and forth with us. You know, it's again just from from the time spent together. It's trust, and um, and it's really fun. <laughs> this show's really fun to work on. I I actually was going to ask how you get into the headspace, what you listen to, and if you do work yeah. with you know the composer and do temps to to kind of yeah get feeling like I I, I do I, I do that a lot. I, I mean our composers uh, Brian Tyler and, and Brett and Vivian I've been on since forever and I know them both well. Um and so what I usually do looking at a scene especially something that that has that is interpretive like the vision quest for instance and just think about like what what does that sound like or what are some sounds that you wouldn't expect to hear but that might be that might speak to something that's happening in the character's mind like in Casey's mind because they're memories and reflections so you don't get the actual like no one remembers what something actually sounds like as they try to you know right our memory doesn't really work that way you remember little little details you know you remember certain things specific things um, and so like, what are those little specific sounds that might stick out and do they sound exactly as they would have on the day? Probably not. Like, what is that morphed into in his memory? I love doing all that stuff. Like, and so I just start playing around with those ideas. We did that a lot. Um, when I was putting together episode one of season four and the shootout at the ranch, you know, it's all, it gets very hyper real, weird frame rates. And then just these sounds that were drifting in and out. And, and a lot of the gunshots were muffled. And then there was one that I was very specific about. This one should feel very present, punctual. Because this one is like in his memory, uh, he remembers that shot happening, for instance, or she does. I think that was from Monica's perspective, that, that part of the scene. So um, you just get to play around with the idea of what memory is and what, and, and what that might feel like, what it might sound like to you and the retelling of it. So, uh, so yeah, all that to say that then that, that stuff, those ideas and those thoughts in the offline, I, I meet with the composers, the sound designers, and... Um, we have a really great exchange of ideas. They, they understand what I'm trying to do. They have their own ideas that make it even better. So um, again, uh, the team, the team makes that what the final product is. How much do you, do you get to be involved when it comes to color and the sound mm -hmm. stage and stuff like that? 
yeah, I have I color now. Color our, our DPs take care of that. Um, I'm involved in I do you know VFX approvals along with our post super and our, our VFX people. I'm involved in that. Give feedback on that. I'm heavily involved in the mixes. Um, and, uh, and it's, and, and most, it's, it's important to have your editor be involved in the mixes because you'll every once in a while, and this happens on every show at every level, sometimes like a, a line will get dropped, especially off camera lines might just get dropped in the process. You need someone that knows every word that's supposed to be there. So, uh, uh, the editor of whatever episode it is, is, is the best person for that. Um, and then, uh, I just, just the way that our show works, I tend to be heavily involved throughout all the way to the end throughout the mixing and all that stuff. On this show, again, because the because the the core team is so small, um, uh, those of us that have been around can take on much more responsibility than we might have because Taylor's universe is so huge right now. So um, obviously, final say on everything is is his, and he watches everything to make sure that he's happy with it. But um, we can get it ninety five, ninety eight percent of the way there for him, and let him focus on all the millions of other things that he has to do. What do you feel like has maybe been the most uh, creatively challenging or rewarding part of exploring these characters and bringing this to life? That's a good question. None of it's easy. And like, when I talk about it, sometimes I feel myself saying, you know, because of of like how much fun it is and because of how good our team is, it sounds like it's easy. It's not. I mean, these are, um, it's a tricky show with the, Honestly, stuff like the horse mechanics is, is some of the most difficult stuff because, um, I mean, you could, I know like the first two pages of the dictionary that Taylor knows about horses. You know what I mean? So like, you're just always trying to, to make sure that we get those details right, that it sounds the right way, um, that it looks the right way. You're dealing with riders who are amateurs who have to look like they're professionals. Our core crew, I mean, our core cast has gotten pretty good at horse riding, right? Like they've been doing it for a while now, but, but even still Taylor sees all of the flaws and we, we try to, we try to work with that and find the takes where everything where this was done correctly in this take that was done correctly in this take. Uh, and it's all, it's all geared towards that authenticity word, right? Just making sure that we are doing the best thing that we can to portray this world accurately. And I think that's something that, you know, there's, there's members of our audience that, that know as much, you know, or more about horses and than Taylor to be sure. A lot of people know nothing or a fraction of it, but what I think they share and the word that what we keep getting fed back to us is that it feels real so whether you're an expert that knows why it feels real because you're seeing people execute moves the way that they're supposed to or you're just someone who watches the show and like man, i've never seen it quite this way this this detail feels real that's all that that's all that i ask I, I want it to feel real to an audience and i don't i don't need them to know why it feels that way or be able to name all the moves that people are doing i just um we we work so so hard at at being authentic in in that part of our storytelling. I mean, for me, again, just being a viewer, it has felt shockingly modern, juxtaposed Mm -hmm. with a sense of familiarity. So, I mean, demographically speaking, you're probably dealing with viewers who loved something like Bonanza, but Mm -hmm. then also loved something like Sons of Anarchy. Mm -hmm. And then even explaining the show to our editor, comparing it to like uh, in some capacities, like a Sergio Leone film where you really are dealing with maybe different perceptions of a Western, but Mm -hmm. even this is a family drama and Mm -hmm. this is so many different layers. And then never mind the huge giant, what I, I always thought how are you convincing me that this is not Kevin Costner? 
<laughs> it is a Harry Potter, but like I don't no. see Field of Dreams. I don't see Tin Cup. Like I see no. Dutton has just been remarkable, which of course Kevin Costner, so many accolades and the directors that were in everyone, but like to to have those impressions coming into a show that is a western and a giant movie star mm-hmm. to to have created something so intrinsically unique to itself has has been a joy to watch i'm glad to hear you say that i appreciate it um a couple of things happening there yeah kevin costner is kevin costner uh he he turns himself into john dutton and um and has really just uh he's just found that he found that character i think he found him really early on and and that's really exciting to watch um everything you're saying is true it's a western family drama all that um there's a lot of you, you could spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to fit into those genres or which parts of our show fit in and which parts we're doing something different. And so the answer to me has always been to not think of any of them. I don't think of it as a Western. I don't think of it as a family drama. I think of it as, and I'm not trying to be trite here, but just like, this is what you have to do to actually do the work. It's like, I think of it as a story about this particular family and going through these particular set of circumstances. Um, it is obviously a Western that's thematic. I mean, thematically it's so many things and, and the references to, you know, histories, all these other directors. I mean, those are, I think, accurate. But um, day-to-day, minute-to-minute, I don't think about them at all. I just think about John talking to Beth, Rip talking to Beth. Uh, I think about, you know, this diner that's under siege or whatever. I just think about that and telling the story of the scene one by one. What, What then makes that all true is that it's written in a way that is, that is honest. I think, you know, when you, when people say things in Yellowstone, I believe them. And that's not always the case when you're watching a drama. I just, I just believe these characters. I believe what they're saying. I believe the world that they inhabit. Um, I believe it because someone has done an incredible amount of research, making sure the production design is correct. The costumes are correct. The actors are, are working their tails off and everyone's doing, um, doing their best. But I just, the end result is I just believe what's in front of me. And, um, you know, the job for me as an editor is to not get in the way of that and to, to help that be you know even more true than it is when I watch the dailies. So, um, you know, genre goes, goes away for me, for me personally, I don't know how the other, other editors do it or what they're, if they think about it, um, it just goes away and it just becomes a scene. It becomes building blocks and it becomes an episode and then it becomes Yellowstone. And it's, uh, it's, it's always a thrill to, to sit back and watch the episodes for the first time as they as we finish them. Like, oh man, that's cool. Right. That's how I feel about it. I still feel that way about it. It's exciting. Chad, I can't thank you enough. And it's also been a pleasure listening to you almost like edit it as you were talking, like hearing you go oh, really? through the process. I can <laughs> watch all of those pieces coming together as you narrated it. So well, thank good. you. Good. No, that it's was- my pleasure. I like talking about the show. I'm very proud of the show. I'm proud of the team. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm proud of the years I've spent with Taylor. It's been really, really fun. And I, I don't expect it to end anytime soon. So. Well, thank you again. Yeah, and, thank you for having me. Uh, good luck to you, sir. I'm very excited and thank looking you. forward to season five. Thank you. I really appreciate it.